Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. And here we go. This is the part when I start the lips moving. I greet you all. Hello, guys. How are you doing? You okay? Uh, where, where do we find you today? I ask questions at the beginning of the podcast to find out where you are, even though I never find out. Um, it's a bit weird this sometimes, talking to yourself. Um, need to work on that. <laughs> Hello, guys. Uh, welcome to another edition of the RGM Experience Podcast with me, Carl Maloney. Here for another week of chat and debate and fun. Hi guys, how you doing? Nice one. Oh mate, t- today we've got, we've got something a bit different for you today, ladies and gentlemen. We've got James Hargreaves, YouTuber, musician, docu- uh, document, uh, do- he documents music documentaries, I can't speak again. But a really, really interesting guy. He started his life in a cult, ladies and gentlemen, that we talk about. So this is a lot of... It's a lot. And I, I connected him with... In, you know, in, around music and his love for Oasis. And he's done many document uh, documentaries around... Um, you know, stories and behind-the-scenes stuff... Uh, through the Oasis years, which is fascinating... Uh, bringing to light, you know, for, for a fan, uh, I've been a fan of Oasis since day one, and we talk about all that. Uh, but for me, just to see all the insights and the stories that go on behind the scenes and stuff, it was just fascinating. Uh, and do check his YouTube channel out, Hargreaves. I'll put a link to uh, in the description of this podcast, uh, and it takes you straight there, and you'll see all these br- brilliant videos. Really enjoyed spending an hour with him. So yeah, James is coming up soon, guys. So what you been up to this week then? Did you get that job interview you went for? No, didn't quite go your way. Mm, it's tough life is. It's life. Life is tough at the minute, isn't it? Um, did you buy that thing you needed to fix the thing that you've always that you've been getting round to sorting out? Nope, still not done that either yet. Life's tough, isn't it? Sometimes it's it's hard to get round everything, isn't it? I suppose. What have I done this week? DIY zero stuff. Nothing's it. DIY. Oh, I'm I'm having my back porch done. Not a euthanism. Um, so I've bought some render stuff. I'll do some rendering. Um, so I have done stuff uh, and some paint. So that, it, it, the back, I live in a little terrace in Manchester and the backing's bit it's all concrete and shit you know it's a bit ugly I want to make that look nice at some point um, other than that been grafting really this week um, yeah th- this last weekend I'm, I'm recording this podcast just because uh, I've got a really busy weekend ahead and loads of gigs and stuff that I'll tell you about next week but uh, I'm recording this on Thursday before the Monday uh, the Monday comes upon us uh, and this week on RGM we've had a 
we've had one of the busiest, best weeks that I can remember, really. Just loads of great content. Loads of shares on the socials. It just feels like it's just gone off this week, you know. Just produced so much amazing content that people have really got behind and shared and enjoyed this week on RGN. So thanks to any of you out there that have liked, shared, or just read some of the music stuff that we've had out on the magazine this week. So loads of, like, band reviews. Um, loads of interviews with new music. Live reviews as well. You know, our live content is just growing and growing. Thanks to Helen Millington, that's um, the manager of the... Uh, RG- I can't speak again. RGM Live Music. Uh, so she's really, you know, taking the role by the bollocks and uh, just getting out to loads of gigs, building a team around her to cover live music out there in Manchester and, you know, the surrounding areas and world. So that's just great. Just have a look at rgm.press and have a look. We've brought a review out of the new Skinner Brothers EP as well this week, ladies and gentlemen. That one's got shared around a little bit. And it's a bit, it's quite interesting, that one really, because... You know, if you look back on the archives... I interviewed Zach from Skinner Brothers. I think it was number 58, if you're interested in going back on the archives. Have a look around. There's plenty in there for everybody to find as well in there. Yeah, and I, I, got, I got on well with Zach. We had a good chat. You know, one fascinating thing that came out of the chat was, where are all the uh, personalities out there in the world? Where are they? Zach seemed quite intrigued in finding them. Um, you know, me too. You know, I'm always looking for stories and interesting people to interview and to talk about and share. And the, the the review that we brought out this week is really positive about the Skinner Brothers music. Uh, but there is a, there is an undercurrent of criticism to how he's been personally and uh, the things that he said in the past and that kind of stuff. Which I think is perfectly uh, fine to comment on. You know, it's all in the public domain. People can see everything that's out there. So it got quite a lot of traction, really. Louis Tomlinson fans kept sharing it. (laughs) Their community found out about it somehow. Uh, I shared it in the Skinner Brothers uh, fan group on Facebook. Uh, It got deleted. But you know, you've got you, 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 if 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 you're out there with opinions and things, and you get a bit of a few opinions back yourself, um, it's best to acknowledge it, innit? And just say, look, you know, it is what it is. But no, it, they, they they they've taken the stance of just ignoring that it's happened. And uh, I've I've heard a few people tell me that they're not quite happy about it. But read it again. The music's great. And if you're intrigued, I'll put a link in the description of this podcast. If you have not read it yet, just have a look. I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Is it harsh? Is it right? You tell us. You're the judge of it all, the public out there, you know. So yeah, an interesting week. And the interest continues, ladies and gentlemen. Want to know loads of stories about Oasis growing up in a cult? All the ins and outs. Let's crack on with the guest, eh? James Argreaves. Hey, mate, you all right? Yeah, fine, thanks, mate. Where, where do we find you today? Um, I'm up in North Yorkshire. I don't give my 
town because it's small, but up in yeah. the very top of North Yorkshire. Ah, right, fair enough. Well, I, I'm a Yorkshire lad myself. I'm from Sheffield originally. I live in Manchester now. Um, and um, I've been fascinated by your content. Um, you know, you, you're a YouTuber, musician, uh, producer, uh, a, a, a documentary maker uh, covering, you know, music culture. Uh, have I missed anything out out there, James? Really? <laughs> oh, you've said you said a lot there. Yeah, like. I've got it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so you're a busy lad. So you know, um, what one of the when I was doing a bit of research for you and that, the first thing that I saw was the video about you starting life in a cult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which came it came out of the blue to see that video because I'm used to seeing your 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 music stuff, Oasis, and all that kind of stuff, and all the document uh, documentation Mate, of you doing. I grew up in two worlds. I did. Yeah. So I was, um, you know, obviously um, one of two brothers up in North Yorkshire, yeah. middle of Britpop lad culture. Yeah. But I was raised in um, <clears throat> the very kooky world of a charismatic, like really extreme end of charismatic yeah. Christianity. You know, people wow. falling over um, on Sunday mornings and rolling around in the aisles and running laps around the auditorium, waving flags. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, um, I, I grew up in two worlds. Yeah. So it, 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 we'll put a link to, for people to see the full story of your video on it, uh, on this anyway. But, you know, just coming from that kind of background and finding yourself with, you know, Britpop going on around you, which obviously we're going to get to and all that, it must have been quite conflicting at that time. Oh. Probably. Oh, it was massively. I mean, I was, um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I mean, you're always pulled in two directions when you're raised in some yeah. bonkers religious <laughs> movement. You know, when you're little, yeah. just what you're told by adults, yeah. um, 95% of it is true. So yeah. you assume that the other 5% is as well. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So um, your parents tell you, don't put your hands in the fire or you'll get burned. And you go, mm-hmm. ah! And so <laughs> when they say as well, there's a big man with a beard in the sky watching your every move. You go, yeah. oh, heck, probably is then. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, growing up with Oasis and Britpop was weirdly liberating from all that yeah. because there's such a massive emphasis on um, standing up for yourself as opposed to the Bible saying, turn the other cheek. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, be yourself, follow your dreams, as opposed to the Bible saying you've got to put God and the church first and, yeah. Um, I spent my whole life really kind of pulled between those two things until I walked away from it as an adult. Yeah. But um, it didn't stop me getting stuck in, in, in the Britpop <laughs> days and having a good time and yeah. you know, getting pissed and my, my band and stuff. Yeah. And uh, But it was always there in the background, yeah. I can imagine, yeah. So so what kind of defines it? Because you, you call it a cult. What, what, why do you define it as a cult over just, you know, coming from a religious background? Um, well, because it's just such a very, very small percentage of people who follow such an extreme set of beliefs. So uh, okay. I'm not going to name names here yeah, because sure. I am still I am still friendly with some people. But yeah. Um, yeah, they believe that there are like um, patches of land that have got like demons on them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll, they'll go out to these patches of land like out in the Yorkshire Dales. And I kid you not, they'll sprinkle salt on the ground yeah. to purify it of, of demons and just yeah. psychotic shit like that. Yeah. And then they'll stand around it in a circle. And, um, and like, have you heard of speaking in tongues? No. So it's this thing that these guys do where they do, have you, it's on a um, Borat, Borat does it. Oh, in, right, on, okay, on, yeah. yeah. But they just blah, 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 yeah. blah, and just make up noises and say, it's God praying through them. And they stand in a circle around these patches of land that have supposedly got demons on them. And they all speak in tongues for hours to purify the ground. It's really wacko shit. Mm-hmm. It's not 
your Church of England stuff, your Church yeah. of England stuff where you go in, you know, stand up, sit down, have a way for a bread and, you know, have a cup of tea and a biscuit afterwards and yeah. a bit of a sing song is fairly harmless. Yeah. Um, this is not that. This is pushed right to the extreme. Um, these, these are people who try to hear a voice in their head all the time. They're always trying to listen for a talking voice, the voice of God wow. in their head all the time. And because I was right in the middle of it, um, I was, um, you know, and am mm. uh, related to some of the people who were running it, you know. So I was right in that inner circle and you, I knew everything that was going on. Um, it was a cult and remains a cult. Yeah. No, I can, I, my only like experience of a religious background was my grandparents were really religious and they, they used to take us on a Sunday just to just to go to church and you know, they used to drag, drag us over to church and you know, it was just one of those things that you just didn't want to do and uh, you just got dragged along of course so, uh, that just seemed like a, a fascinating but really confusing background for for a kid yeah it was it, <laughs> it confusing is the word it yeah. really was yeah so so you know so how old were you when you kind of like started to push back against that um right so a lot of people the reason people stay in this stuff mm. is you're constantly told the answers are out there in this book or in this resource or you'd have to ask this person so when mm. you have questions yeah. you're always told the answers are out there mm. but you're never given them mm. so when i got to about 17 i started taking it quite seriously and getting a bit more kind of committed and dedicated and saying right if the answers are out there yeah. i want to find them because yeah. i've got questions and um the more you know i matured and got into a a state where I could really just evaluate things for myself. I wasn't being taught stuff by my parents or adults or whatever. I'd yeah. come out of college. I'd, um, I was out kind of fending for myself a bit more. I started saying, I've got questions and I need answers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as you've probably seen from my channel, I like to research stuff. I like to do a bit of digging. Yeah. I like to just say, right, what's the answer here? Here's all the, here's all the resources. Let's find it. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> with Christianity, the more I dug into it, the more I dig, dug into it deeper and deeper and deeper, the more I found that there aren't answers. Um, most of the whole thing relies on no one ever actually following up that that whole the answers are out there thing. And at the end of it, I went, right, I now know more than everyone in my church. I now know more than all my pastors and anyone else I know. And I still haven't got the answers to these questions and these these kind of doubts I've got, these, these uh, things that don't add up, these contradictions. So I went, right, I'm going to go and get a degree I'm going to get the tools for myself and get the answers. Sod, it's in this book. Sod, that preacher has the answer. Yeah. I'm going to get the tools to find out for myself. So my degree, bizarrely enough, is in theology. It, yeah. I, I went there to get the answers. Do you know what I mean? To say, right, I'm going to dig right down into the Aramaic, Greek, Hebrew, all that stuff, mm -hmm. which I did. And when I got them tools and and sort of dug into it to say what really is uh, – the answer to these doubts, these questions, these yeah. seeming contradictions, you know, why does the Bible say no woman can lead anything because of Adam being created first and Eve being created second? Yeah. I, I even wrote my dissertation on that verse, <laughs> on that thing in the Bible, because it just seemed bonkers to me. Yeah. Um, and yet it was there at Bible college when I got to the point of having the tools, I dug down into it and found out it's bollocks. Yeah. I got right down to the foundations where most people don't go, which is why they stay in the faith because they don't, they just assume the answers are out there. Yeah. I dug right down the foundations and discovered it was bollocks. <laughs> you know, and I, even though my whole life has <laughs> been all about music, really, yeah. I've never regretted 
going and getting a degree in theology never because if i hadn't done that i might still believe it now yeah and how long why did it take so long to make a video on that it's very traumatic fair it enough, is fair enough. it is like um yeah. i it like doing that video uh mm. fucked me up for months like going back over it if you've not been in it um, you don't know, especially from very young. There's a saying in the Catholic Church that it give us a child till they're seven and they'll be Catholic for life. Wow. And um, there's a certain amount of truth. I wasn't Catholic, but you know what I mean? When you're raised in that, and it goes right in deep, really in deep. And so coming out of it, you lose all your mates. Um, you earn <clears throat> the fury or disapproval of many people very close to you. So no one yeah. who I was friends with from that church is still friends with me, not one, wow. because... I, I turned my back on, on religion and they were my mates for my whole life. So it's, it's a massive bloody trauma. Yeah. I can imagine. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing a little bit. So music helped you uh, transition out of that environment then. Uh, is that, is that a fair uh, Definitely. analysis of it? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, when I was, when I was kind of coming out of it all, mm. um, I was gigging like two or three times a week with my then covers band. Mm. And um, so I'd be dealing with all this shit in the week, kind of going, I don't think I believe this anymore. I think, mm. and that means I'm going to, ha- I, I, I'm going to have to leave this. I'm going to have to leave that. They're going to hate me. They're never going to talk to me again. I know because I've seen it before. Bam, bam, bam. But on the weekends, I'd go out with the band and we'd be playing three gigs to full houses, everyone yeah. dancing and jumping and bouncing. And you come away with cash in your pocket. And I, do you know what? Nice. I'm not just going out into the wilderness on my own here. Do you know what I mean? It's all right. And I'm still mates with everyone from the band. Yeah. No no one from the church, but everyone from the band. So I can just imagine just leaving that environment, moving on. Were you yeah. were you playing music in the old environment? Yeah, or yeah, did yeah. You learn after yeah, so so you so you've always been I'd, there's always been instruments around and that kind of stuff, so you were accomplished or just learning at that time before you oh. moved out. Both parents are music teachers. Right, okay, got you. Right. Brother's a drum teacher. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So 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 you can turn your hand to most instruments then like on on your uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, once you, just I mean, once about. you know music, it's yeah. the same music on just whatever instrument. You know what I mean? Once you know the theory behind it all, yeah. It's it, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm a guitar player myself, rhythm guitar player in my in my band. Uh, well, when our band played, um, mm. and I always enjoyed the rhythm side of it. Because I, I, I think I, I wasn't the most talented of guitar players, but I had natural rhythm, so I could just I I, I could play. I could play, you know, when people learn Wonderwall and we'll come to, you know, the video that you made playing on the Wonderwall guitar later on. But I, yeah. I, le- I learned Wonderwall like every fucker does uh, when they're learning guitar. Um, but what I noticed really quick was I could do the, the rhythm bit to Wonderwall, which is not an easy bit. The chords and the structure and things people can learn quite quick for Wonderwall, but the actual rhythm and making it sound like the song came naturally to me. And I always enjoyed that part of the music um, over anything else, really, just as a, just as a musician. Yeah, I, I learned Wonderwall on the shittest classical Spanish <laughs> yeah. guitar you've ever seen with strings like an inch off the, off the oh, fretboard. Yeah. yeah, just like <laughs> instant <laughs> blood every oh, time you fingers. play it. Yeah, fair yeah fair. flipping <laughs> cheese wires. Um, yeah. Yeah, so just just hanging around just on the transition a little bit then. So, so moving away from the church um, and or the cult, uh, how did you transition into... Uh, into the real world and like mechanically did you was it moving in with friends and family away from that or uh, how did you physically get out as a young as a youngster you you just stopped going i mean you you just i mean facebook was helpful because you could just i'm not on it anymore but yeah you could just go i'm an atheist and then everyone else would do the work for you just be like (laughs) but then yeah you know 
Um, <clears throat> no, I, I mean, I moved out at 18. Yeah. Okay. Um, been pretty, been um, one of them uh, lads that pretty much just got straight out of home at 18 mm. and been working self-sufficient for yeah. much of my adult life, really. I moved back in my parents briefly um, while I was waiting to move into where I am yeah. now. Um, other than that, you know, I was one of them who just got straight out at 18 and lived independently. So I, w- I wanted my freedom as fast as possible. Nice. And uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so so getting into bands then. So what was the name of your first band? I always like that Ooh, question. Oh, crikey. Now it's, all, it's always appalling. That's why I like asking the, the question. <laughs> <laughs> Clipping, heck. I, I heard somebody, somebody somebody told me once they were called Pocket Fluff. I don't know if that's an old Vicky Gervais <laughs> joke or something like that. But. I, wonder, I wonder if it was Coaster. Uh, so the, the, okay. the band I was in for most of my yeah. um, like teen years was called Coaster, and we started when we were really young. I think yeah. it was Coaster, but I was in a band <laughs> called Funky Kev and the Egg Hoppers for nice, a bit. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I was in... Um, oh. I've, not, I've not heard of any of those uh, music from them, <laughs> to be honest. When I lived in the States, I was in a, a band, I kid you not, <laughs> on. one gig called uh groovy tim and the yeah. ex- <laughs> called groovy tim and the exciting barracuda celebration no joke <laughs> so so that's that's a long long name yeah i think i think um i think a certain person in the band may have taken a certain something when coming up with it well it, it, like you mentioned two band names there mm-hmm. and they always had one person's name on it uh, and the something uh, be, being in and around the music industry for quite a long time i've seen a lot of bands that have names similar to that where they have one person it's usually the person with the biggest ego or the songwriter that did de- that develops develops a band around them and they will still want to be uh center stage but you know have their name on the title still and have a band yeah and, and they, they kind of never tend to stay around that long there's two kind of bands out there yeah there's your your wellers and your liams and your Noels, and yeah. there's your oasises and your jams mm. so um you got your bands and your solos. The the thing, the reason for me, like obviously with my, I've got my solo stuff that I do now. It's yeah. just under my name. It's not sort of James Hargreaves and the Biscuit Jugglers or anything, but yeah. um, <laughs> it's just me. And I took basically took the inspiration from Weller's um, Stanley Road album because mm. <clears throat> when you've been in bands since you're a teenager, yeah. what you were talking about there is totally true. The egos are murder, yeah. and. Um, it's always the way, seemingly. If you have a band, say you've got a band and you're called, I don't know, anything. You're called you know, Fender or something. Yeah. Um, you've got your band and you're called Fender and you kick someone out because they're being a dick, they're not showing up, they're not helping set up for gigs, mm. they're showing up late for stuff. You kick them out. Everyone goes, oh, well, the band's not the same anymore. The band's over. Yeah. Whereas you look at what Weller did on Stanley Road. He just brings in whoever he wants all the time. Yeah. He never loses the, and I, say, I hate the word, but the brand of what his band is. Mm. Um, and he can bring people in, draft people out. He's got Gall- he's got Noel playing on a couple of yeah. songs on that album. Different drummers, different bass players, and he's the one consistent. But you never get that shock factor of, oh, well, Pete Best's left the Beatles. It's not yeah. the Beatles anymore. Do you know what I mean? There's there's something great when you get a band that's a unit that really, really, really works. But truth be told, I'm a bit of a, an antisocial bastard, and I can't be asked with band politics. I just can't <laughs> be asked. So I cut that corner completely yeah. by having me – and then everyone else who plays with the band knows that I can draft people in, draft people out. Um, as long as we're getting on, all's well. Um, but you, you just don't want to be in that situation where you're like, everyone in this band fucking hates each other, but they love the band. They love playing the gigs. They love being part of the band, but they fucking hate each other. Yeah. I'm not going to stand for that. So 
no toxic atmosphere. So I'm just going to do what Weller did. You know what I mean? Bring people in, draft people out, and that's it. I I love the honesty of that as well. And, uh, you know, it must be, you know, must be partly you're a bit of a controlling character and you want it to be the way you want it to be. Maybe. I don't know. First time I've met you. Uh, Or or you're just doing it for the pure reasons of just wanting it to be a a nice environment for everybody. I know it is selfish reasons, but it's not obsessively over how it has to sound. It's that I can't deal with drama. I just hate it. I just can't be doing with tension and drama. I just frigging hate it. I'd rather just, you know, cut it out and move on. Do you know what I mean? That really, it is a selfish motive. Yeah. Um, uh, but I mean, musically, the music's always better when you've got loads of people, contrib- when you've got a band, we've yeah. got everyone contributing their own unique thing that you never mm. could have come up with. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you having been in bands yourself, you probably know, mm. as soon as it turns to drama, everything's fucked, but you, you, you know, no one goes, this is fucking over, isn't it? Yeah. They go, no, let's just drag this out for another three years and be miserable <laughs> and hate each other. And I just, I can't be dealing with it. I can't. I want to, I want a quiet life. I, uh, that's my motive. To yeah, tell no. Most. It, 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 running a magazine comes with a bit of conflict sometimes because, um, you know, I, I deal with a lot of grassroots music in Manchester and Sheffield and all over the country now RGM's grown a little bit. It's a nice little Brilliant. bubble to be in. Uh, and you get to know these personalities and you get to know bands quite well on a personal level. And then when a reviewer writes a review of their music um, and it doesn't go the band's way, there's, critical, there's criticism in there or there's, um, you know, there's, there's tips and constructive feedback, which we are all about at RGM to try and help people develop then I get stuck in the middle quite a lot there. And there is a lot of conflict with it, but you kind of just have to, you kind of have to take that on the chin a little bit to be, um, to be authentic and to have your own brand really. And and our brand is to offer people constructive feedback, if you like it or not, you know, we, we put a disclosure on the, on the website, you know, you could get constructive feedback. So if a band hadn't read that, that's down on them, which, you know, bands don't read stuff, but <laughs> it is what it is. So you can, you can get kind of stuck in circles of confliction sometimes, but it's the music industry, isn't it? I suppose as well, you've got it. I mean, there's a line, isn't it? It's not like no, yeah. never say anything negative. Just say, oh, it's great. I mean, when, in the well, rehearsal the, the, room. Yeah, but there's thousands of blogs doing that. And that's why that, that's why I want to be different and doing it my, yeah. our way. Because there's, there's many people that'll do that. Go and speak to them over there. They'll do that for you. Um, <clears throat> I mean, do you know what's missing in the music industry today? Yeah. A bit of edginess. Yeah. A bit, of, a bit of punk ethos. Yeah. Um, you have to be willing to say, that is shit. Because yeah. people used to say that in the 90s. I've got a box down here, <laughs> right down there, full of old enemies and Q magazines yeah. that I use for my research, for my, for my stories and my docs and that. Yeah. And then <clears throat> some of the reviews you read, you think, bloody hell. I mean, <laughs> they could get, by today's standards, yeah. that journalist would get dragged through the courts for writing that. Yeah. Um, but back then, it was fair game and it, weirdly it was healthy. It's the same mm. in the rehearsal room. So in the rehearsal room, we can say that doesn't work. Yeah. That does work. And the whole band can say that. Say, I didn't like that. Just do that. Mm. And, you know, I take that from the rest of the band. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So there's a line, isn't it? There's a, there's a line somewhere. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So a, a musician, you're in bands. Um, I'm 44, 45 later this year. So I was handed a tape with Supersonic on it as a kid and followed this fucking band all my life, all over the country, watching them in gigs, small and large, um, the majority of my life. So I feel privileged to have done the Oasis journey as a fan throughout it all. 
how, how did you, how did your story with Oasis start yourself? Oh, uh, well, I had definitely maybe on tape. Um, I was mm. quite young uh, yeah. when, when it was happening, but I've always been immersed in music. Yeah. Uh, you just are in a musical family, you know. Um, I definitely maybe on tape. And the first few times I listened to it, I'd never heard anyone who sang like Liam. Yeah. So I was like, I don't like this. you know i I love him now you know what i mean um and at school everyone was just obsessed with music it's not i've got two boys uh 12 and 10 it's not like it was about with music where everyone's in kind of a musical tribe do you know what i mean um and yeah we would listen to uh is it atlantic 252 long wave yeah old old radio station (laughs) we listen to that all the time and they went through a phase of they must have they must have played whatever by oasis like every 20 minutes on the trot or something like that for and i remember putting it on it's on again (laughs) and i I was getting frustrated with it and then we were on a long car journey and i put definitely maybe in because there's nothing else in the car we left everything else all the old tapes and then i'm listening to it and it started to grow on me a bit i was just young but this is all right actually and then really it was when morning glory came out if i'm honest i was always listening to oasis in the run-up to that um but i became hardcore with um morning glory i've told this story a few times but yeah. my best mate at the time lived just four doors down mm-hmm. and i remember walking into his house and his older brother had, they had a little little portable cd player in the kitchen and he got morning glory mm-hmm. and he was just stood there like with both hands on the counter just with this shell-shocked expression on his mm-hmm. face and he turned around to me and went have you heard don't look back in-? i just walked in the back door and he didn't yeah. say hello just, have you heard don't look back in anger no he put it on and pressed play and i was like Holy crap! Liam's voice has improved. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's no, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, that was that was really it. Morning glory for me because I, uh, I was born in '83, right. so I was only 11 when mm. Definitely Maybe came out. So you know, I was aware of them, but yeah. um, uh, really came on board with Morning Glory and then backtracked everything. Uh, I never got to see him live though. Never. We were just no money, man. We had no money. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I had no, I, I went to school in in um, uh, charity shop clothes mm-hmm. and yeah. cl- shoes that were bought several sizes too big so that they wouldn't have to keep buying them as I grew into them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Looking like a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was on my beginning of my musical journey. My favourite band at the time was The Wonder Stuff. Um, you know, just lo- looking back on like how I got into the band and yeah, somebody passed me a tape with Supersonic and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Do you know, when th- there's nothing better than that feeling when you, you get handed something and you, and, and, and it changes you somehow mm. and, and, and you know, the, the your future of music's changed. You don't know how yet. You don't know how it's going to change your life forever. And it did for me fucking grew the haircut and ever, and went through all that journey and did everything. Uh, missed the gig. They were, they were on at Leadmill in Sheffield. I missed that one. Um, but then they, they did the first ever arena gig in Sheffield in 94, I think, or 96. I can't remember. I'm crap. 95, it was. It's 95, Sheffield Arena. 95, yeah, Sheffield Arena. Managed to get a ticket for that. And I can remember going past on the tram in Sheffield and seeing uh, Oasis playing football on the back of the arena bit <laughs> on it and just thinking, fucking hell. Uh, that's great. That's quite, yeah, you know, that's my first memory of seeing the Gallagher's. Uh, before before they were on stage, just play kicking football on back at arena because the the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the 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 tram was quite close behind where they load in for the stage and stuff behind the back of the arena the thing there, and uh, yeah, just changed my life. Uh, Pulp were on as well, which is as a Sheffield lad, were just amazing. So I'd see them in in the flesh as well and start this journey into um, admiring the Gallagher's humor, the music, the relationship between each other. 
and um, it's just great to see your document, your the videos that you're making of the lads now. Because I'm I'm seeing the band from a different lens as a fan. I, I went to all the gigs and that kind of stuff as a fan. Got piss thrown on me at gigs and all that kind of stuff many a times. Uh, got sent into some real troubles, you know, getting lost in Finsbury Park and that kind of stuff, and just fucking having a nightmare, just getting you know waking up not knowing where I am, and all these kind of adventures that you have as a young kid when you're supporting a band. But your, your your videos of Oasis are really great because I, I, I'm seeing another version of the band that I, that, I, that I never saw throughout my career. So um, just on, on a personal view, thanks for, you know, thanks for doing that. What what made you start doing what you do, making these videos? Um, well, you're very welcome. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, well, I had a video go viral, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I did a vi- one video um, a couple of years back. I was trying to build up my YouTube in. Um, I'm aware yeah. you've got to do at least one quality upload a week yeah. to stay on the good side of the algorithm. Right. So I was, it was a guitar teaching uh, channel at first. Yeah. So um, I was like, I did stuff on Hendrix. A lot of those old guitar teaching videos I've taken down now. Yeah. Um, but I did this video on the, the, the mystery chord from don't look back in anger, oh, the yeah. take that look from off your face chord. Mm. Cause there's so many different versions of it. The song, the original Oasis songbook in the nineties, which I had was completely wrong. Yeah. Um, and everyone thinks it's E and it's not. So I did this little detective thing of tracking down video of Noel, which was pretty, you know, it's pretty recent. A lot of that stuff's mm. come to light. People, there's so many Oasis kind of uh, documentarians. So it's awesome yeah. being able to just go, he's posted that. He's posted that. Fantastic. And then you can track it all down and piece mm. it all together. I feel like there's this fantastic Oasis community trying to preserve all the history. Yeah. And then, um, so I, I did that video and it got half a million hits. Wow. Like I had 300 subscribers at that point, yeah. put it out and it just went bang. And uh, and at that point, I basically had every Oasis fan in the universe on my channel. Nice. Um, and obviously, they were a massive part of my life growing up. So I started gradually going, let's mm. try another Oasis doc. You know, 20,000 hits. Hey, let's try another one. You know, 100,000 hits. Hey. And so um, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I thought, right, we'll give the people what they want. Yeah. I, I, as a, a like a, a fledgling YouTuber myself, um, I've got about a, just over 500, so I can't monetize it or anything like that yet, which would be nice one day, but uh, we, we're not getting the views to uh, to warrant that kind of stuff yet, really. Um, but it's interesting to see how much attention do you pay to the algorithm and the, the data behind the videos and that kind of stuff when you're making new stuff? Do you really delve into it? I watched a video with Mr. Beast, and he's just telling you all the tips on what to do and what to look out for, attention spans and all that kind of stuff. Do you delve into all the data behind the scenes on YouTube? I don't actually, not at all. No, um, the biggest yeah. thing I try and follow is um, just at minimum one a week. Yeah. But you, you, your comments interactions yeah. tells you when people are watching and when they're yeah. not. Right. Um, you've got your analytics on there so you can see views and that. But yeah. um, the biggest thing I try and do is say, I'm not going to do what I want to do. Because if I did what I wanted yeah. to do, I'd be banging on about old rootsy blues musicians <laughs> from the 20s and all kinds of really mega obscure shit. I that think I that's love. what I'm doing, James. <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a real guitar nerd, yeah. I'd be talking about stuff that is interesting to yeah. like 1% of the population. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> But the truth is, I don't need to do that stuff. I can read about that and, and play play blues on my own. Yeah. I, it doesn't change anything. What, mm. I, what I do is I take what the viewers are giving me as feedback and try and take it on board, take it as not criticism, but feedback. So if someone comments on a video, this is fucking shit, stick to your usual lane. I'll, I'll just kick them off and block them. But if 20 Mm. people do it, I go, yeah, 
right, I probably fucked up here and I won't do that again. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what people love, what people are enjoying, you can it's, it's obvious because it gets hundreds of thousands of hits. Yeah. And what people hate will just go, floop, and you go, that took me three days, 12 <laughs> hours a day. Yeah. That was not worth it. Not doing that again. Simple as that. It's very yeah. kind of ruthless business logic. For, for that's, yeah. that, that's how I approach it. Sure. And so <clears throat> my channel hasn't turned into what it's turned into yeah. out of design. Mm. It's turned into what it's turned into out of reaction. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And is, is this what you do as a full-time job? Like yeah, it is now. Yeah, wow. It is. <clears throat> I was a guitar teacher since I was 15. Yeah. Um, and that's how I, I paid my way. Um, but, um, you know, got up to, I'm, I'm 40 next year. Um, and as I got up to, um, you get past 1,000 subs. Yeah. Um, and past 4,000 um, uh, viewing hours a month, I think, mm-hmm. you can monetize. Yeah. Um, and I just worked my ass off. Yeah. I did that funny thing of uh, that you do in your 30s of I was doing 12-hour days, seven days a week, and I would just work and work and work and work and work. Yeah. Got a bit obsessive about it. I've tried to be a bit <laughs> less kind of driven about it now, a bit less workaholic. But, yeah, um, yeah that's it, really. Just, um, yeah, consistency, yeah. high quality. I, I always do a big thing I do try and do is cut out waffle. So, like, if I have yeah. an interview with someone, we always talk for an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and what I post is 20 minutes. All the All the ums, all the... Oh, let me think and stuff edited out, and I just go wham. So right. you, I never, I try to not frustrate my viewers, and I never ask them to like or subscribe. Never. Yeah, I've been guilty of all those things. So they're they're good tips <laughs> for me, mate. <laughs> you know, but yeah, but I, 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 I like the more long form uh, conversations uh, rather than the short clickbaity uh, thumbnails that people put out and don't deliver on what they're advertising. That that kind of stuff just frustrates me when I see those things doing well that you know they're advertising something that looks fascinating brilliant I'll click let's have a look and then it's just a pile of shit yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah, of yeah. I mean I think people expect it on a pod do you know what I mean yeah on a pod they expect to be able to flip it on while they're going to sleep and listen yeah. to a proper conversation yeah are you a pod or you yeah, are yeah, yeah, pod, yeah 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 well fair play yeah, yeah. um but yeah so like I, a bit, biggest thing I notice is my shitty attention span on YouTube <laughs> yeah. so I go on to something and it looks really interesting and they take a bit too long to get to the point yeah. or they, they endorse some video game for five mm. minutes first or I, and I go after 10 seconds, fuck this different video. Bang. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I look at it and I go, well, if that's the way I, as a YouTuber who make my money from this, yeah. that's how I react. I can't be doing that. <clears throat> well, you've made some amazing videos. I, I, I was watching your um, return of Oasis video with James C from the Oasis podcast earlier on today. Mm. Sorry about the banging. If you can hear it, so, my next door neighbor's having a new roof. Can you hear it? If you can hear it, sorry, uh, people watching. But yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that video and how you analysed could it happen for the, for those like lads getting together. Um, it must be that you, you mentioned the the network of Oasis fans out there. You know, uh, how has how has that developed? You know, since the band have split up and not been around for you know many years now. Well, there's a few. There's like sort of in the, Oasis fans are nice. Do you know what yeah. I mean? There's, there's some bands out there not naming any names, Stone Roses, who their fans <laughs> can be quite confrontational and unpleasant. Yeah. Oasis fans are um, just really nice. Yeah. Um, and so you've got all these little independent things that have sprung up. So first you mm. had the Live Forever Pro Boards online, you know, the, the forums. Mm. Um, I think I think the next really significant thing was uh, James and the Oasis pod. And mm. um, then you had Kyle and the Oasis collectors group. You have all these different things and everyone just connects and his mates. 
There's no like, you know, competition or bad blood or, you know, I think probably the most important central piece was the Live Forever Boards and uh, mm-hmm. the Oasis podcast. They were the really big ones, but yeah. just because everyone everyone gets on, there's these new things springing up all the time and everyone mm-hmm. tends to connect with each other and not fight, which yeah. is ironic for Oasis, isn't it? Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you about another video that you did as well when you went to... Um, you you went to the studio where they recorded Wonderwall and you played was it was it one no you played Don't Look Back in Anger on all the same instruments and the same kit as what the band did and you performed yep. it in the same place yeah uh, getting pissed on the Wonder Wonderwall wall outside and all that kind of stuff that 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 video was was not just um impressive with its content and you know just amazing to just see the mechanics of what could have happened at that time but just. Um, how how do you manage that kind of project? You know, you know what I mean. It it, it must it looked like a, it was a lot of work. Uh, it 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 were. In, I really enjoyed watching it as a uh, as a fan. How, how do you plan ahead for you know projects like that? How do you put that kind of stuff together? Um, well, that one. I mean, the biggest thing. It's the same as putting a band together. The biggest thing is yeah. bring people in who we're all going to get on. Mm. Um, don't bring in knobheads. Bring bring it. Don't bring in people who are going to cause trouble course fights, bringing people who are chilled, who all get on. So the thing about Rockfield is it's residential. So Mm. you book, if you book the coach house, you get 14 beds. So what I did was I asked everyone to chip in a very, very low amount for towards the cost of their rooms. So look, we're going, we're going down. Um, Lisa let us come a night early. She let us, let us show up and have the night before because no one was in. So Mm. we got, um, how long were we down there for? I think it was just one day that time. Um, Mm. So, we went down the night before. We got to stay at Rockfield in the residential rooms for free for mm. the first night. Everyone else chipped in something towards their rooms, and I filled every bed. Mm. Um, and so you get everyone, you get every bed in a residential field, you get everyone to chip in, and your overall cost is low, mm. um, or lower than it would be if you didn't. Yeah. Uh, Nick, who obviously owned the guitar and was there to help mix Morning Glory and be here now, yeah. I'd interviewed him, and we got on really well. Nice. And so I said, mate, are you up for this? It took a bit of planning, but yeah. really most of it was just a big flipping. It was just a big smash out. It was brilliant. Yeah. We had a big old flipping drink in the knees up and played guitars. And all I needed was people to learn their parts ahead of time, which they all did. Um, and I needed to get the tracks, which I could then take home and mix at home. Cause mm. I'm a mixer and a producer. I could do that here. Mm. So really um, like Nick was used to doing 12 hour shifts. We probably did seven hours. Yeah. That was it. Nice. So it was really chilled out. Everyone had a good crack. Um, and a few people had too much of a good crack and were <laughs> <laughs> not recovered even by the time we left. But yeah. I'd have been one of them. Yeah, I'd have been one of them. Uh, what was it like playing Noel's, uh, uh, well, the Wonderwall guitar? Just as a, It was amazing. Just, as a fan, just, you know. Amazing. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, apparently, Nick said it still had the same strings on it. Mm. Um that's um so he has he has two that he would play for pretty much he would rotate them at mm. gigs so he didn't have to sit on stage and tune yeah. so um <clears throat> pretty much any live gig where you see him playing one of them he's probably played them both mm. you see on on Nebworth, you can see someone walks on and switches the guitar yeah. for an identical one he had two mm. one of them is on show in america somewhere and nick's got the other one yeah. but pretty much so you can say that one probably was played on the late show for one of the songs. We don't know which which song yeah. it was. It was one of the two. It was played Nebworth. It was played um I can't remember them all top of the head, loads of places. Yeah. Because where one of them was played, they were both played. So we didn't have someone off stage would tune it 
So it was magical. I mean, this is the thing, though. All of that weekend was magical because yeah. rock, there's something about Rockfield. I don't know what it is. Um, that you, you go in that place and you know you're walking on hallowed ground. Yeah. You've got the studio where A Night at the Opera and Bohemian Rhapsody was recorded, and then you've got the Morning Glory studio and so many other bands that have been there. And it's the same. Oh. Yeah. because Kingsley hasn't upgraded anything at all. It's still the same as it was in the 90s, you know. So you literally, it's like going back in time, but it's magical. You, every time you leave, every, I've been there four times now, I think. Every time you leave, me and everyone there, go. I want to go straight back. And, and, and apparently he had that guitar because when Noel and Liam had an argument, his guitar got smashed up when Liam thought it was Noel's, apparently. Is that, is, is that the, have yeah. I done the story justice there? Abbey Road, yeah. Uh, Liam, uh, Noel had said something about Liam in the press, apparently. Um, and so Liam came in uh, while Nick was in the in the uh, Studio 2 main room yeah. setting up the gear for recording. Liam came in, smashed that guitar to Matchwood, yeah. thinking it was Noel's. Um, and Nick saw it and just went, and just carried on setting up, <laughs> didn't say anything. Uh, I, think, I think it was Jason Rhodes or someone came in and went, that isn't Noel's guitar. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, and so they were both arguing over who would... Liam was insisting he was going to take Nick down to Denmark Street, buy him a new one, better one. Yeah. Um, but Nick was obviously a bit upset because that was a present from his mum. Mm. It was the same guitar, but it was yeah. a gift from his mum. It had a bit of sentimental value. So Noel just waded in and uh, gave him the Wonderball guitar. And Noel didn't remember it either. Yeah. But it, it is real. I've, I've seen the, the COA, Certificate of Authenticity, signed by Noel. It is the guitar. Yeah. Wow. Um, what, what's your favourite story from the Gallaghers over the years? Ah, is that- well, <laughs> um, <clears throat> little teaser here, but it's going to go out tonight, so this will probably be, oh. be out, probably out before this interview's out. Yeah, I reckon. yeah. Um, it's the story of what went down at the uh, Newcastle Riverside in '94. Oh, uh, okay. wow. It's just mental, and and really, that I think that's the only time, really, that I can think of that the Gallaghers and the Oasis just general entourage were overwhelmed by the sheer thuggishness of the audience. Normally, mm. they would just hold everyone in their sway. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God! You know, like, but they went to Newcastle in the 90s. So I'm only an hour from Newcastle. Yeah. I went there several times when I was young, and it was it was like a – it could be like a war zone. You know, it was worse than yeah. Glasgow in the 90s. It was just it's, – it's a bit posher now, a bit mm. more – it's a bit – moved a bit closer to Durham. Um, <clears throat> but honestly, the, the, the audio I've got of this gig – and what people are saying and the stories, it's its a rock and roll legend, really. So that's probably, maybe yeah. it's just because I've been just working on it, but that's probably my favourite Oasis story at the moment. Well, what we'll do is uh, this this interview will be coming out after your after that's out anyway. So I'll put a link to that so people can enjoy that story as well, mate. Nice one. So uh, are they, are they going to get back together, James? Well, I hope so, because I never got to see him before. And now I've worked my arse off as an adult and I could go and see him. <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah. And that would be a huge tick on the yeah. bucket list. Um, <clears throat> of course, I hope so. Um, Liam, since Noel and Sarah split, has said nothing antagonistic and it's all been very suspiciously quiet. Yeah. Alan White. So we, me and James C. Yeah. did that, um, that thing where we talked about who yeah. would be in the band. And I know that a lot of the PR guys or band members themselves regularly watch the Oasis stuff on my channel. And we talked about the drummers and um, the next thing, you know, within a few days, Alan White was posting Oasis tracks on his Instagram. He rarely posts. Mm. He posted a load of of Oasis tracks off heathen chemistry. Great track. This great track, this great track, this. Mm. Then he posted Noel's latest single easy. Now, 
and posted loads of really complimentary stuff about it. And then he posted this really cryptic um, Bruce Lee quote, said, follow the finger that points to the sun, you know, okay. and, and all this stuff like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, he but, knows what he's doing there, doesn't he? He's, 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 he's kicking the wasp's nest, isn't he? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> and and so so I just, loads of people were like, what's up in me? There's a lad in Australia, have you seen yeah. this? And um, <clears throat> I was like, yeah. And then he took, all, took them all down, except the Bruce Lee quote shortly afterwards. But that's an interesting, what, what message is yeah. he trying to send there by posting loads of tracks off Healing Chemistry? He's been silent for ages yeah. about any Oasis stuff. Then all of a sudden, this stuff's happening. Everyone's saying, really, for it to be Oasis, it would be best if we had Alan White on the drums. But I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about what what Whitey just did. I don't know. I would love it. All I can say is I love it. I, I had Paul Gallagher on the podcast about a year ago, and he seems he's he's just it's it's such a gentleman that boy. He's, he's such you know he's so so much love for both brothers, and he's stuck in the middle in many ways with it all. He he said never say never. I've interviewed Alan McGee. He doesn't think it'll happen, but that was a year ago. Things have changed in the last year. It feels like the relationships got better. It feels like uh, Noel's not saying no to it. He's saying never say never, kind of thing. So it feels like it. It could happen. It feels like Noel, Noel's just got his announced his new album. Liam's having a break after hammering it for the last few years. So maybe in a year or two, when Noel's toured his album, Liam's had a rest. Maybe that could feel like an appropriate kind of time for it to happen, James. What do you think? I think it's possible. So Liam's got this year out. Um, yeah. they've, both, they've both seemingly got nothing booked after the year out. Yeah. Obviously, it'd be quite early anyway to have that stuff booked. They yeah. might have been in talks, but I mean... There is a little bit of a sense that it's now or never. Yeah. There's a little bit of that sense. I mean, Noel said, oh, maybe in 10 years, but they ain't doing it when they're 65, I don't think. Mm. I mean, it's not like they haven't burnt the candle twice as bright both ends for half their lives. Yeah. So, um, like, I, like I said in the chat with James C., I, I mean, this is the first time since the split that I've looked at it and gone, that could actually happen this yeah. time. So, I mean... I don't think that they're going to want to do some mental huge world tour. I reckon what yeah. they would do is they would do, they, they would do some, some daft, like they do like five nights at Nebworth and that's it. Yeah. And then they go to America and, you know, do some massive thing out of Madison square gardens or mm. something. I don't know, like five nights. And cause they are, you know, what in the fifties now. Yeah. Um, and they're not going to be want to, they're not going to be wanting to have some cocaine fueled rampage around the world for a year and a half. Cause you know, might die <laughs> but it, it is if it's going to happen this is the first first time i've looked at it and gone there's a lot of the stars seem aligned right now i think it may be good i i i'm more positive than what i ever have been all, all my friends that buy glastonbury tickets they always say i'm buying them this year because oasis is going to be playing it i'm like oh god i've it always seems when Glastonbury gets announced that people, it seems to be like some kind of rumour about Oasis getting back together again always seems to happen as well, which is, I find strange. I don't know where the connection is there, really. I know they've played Glastonbury, but I don't know if it's Glastonbury feeding ticket sales somehow. I don't think they need to. Uh, what did you only, think of their Glastonbury gigs? Uh, the first one, when he had the shirt and the jumper on, was one of my favourite ones because that's the first time I started seeing Oasis on telly and the big big screens. I think um, on the, the ones after that, 
Which one of the one? So it was probably 94, 95. Do you know the one I mean? He had a, a, Liam had a, a white collar on and like a jumper. Yeah, 94. 94, that one. So that that, that one sticks in my mind more than ever because that's like, yeah, I can see Montelli. That's my band that, that I've just started getting into. I can see yeah. Montelli and justify myself for liking him. So 94 was good. But they, I mean, the, the stuff they've done at Glastonbury, really, mm. I, I think if they did Glastonbury again, reunited, they would have the chance to do their proper headline yeah. Glastonbury gig that never properly really happened mm. because... In the past, like some, some when Liam's voice, do you know what I mean? He yeah. was in bits. They hated each other. There wasn't much banter. You look at the Be Here Now tour, and <clears throat> that's what they need to do at Glastonbury. They need to have that energy and that kind of raucous, having a laugh, big frigging bombastic thing. Not, we obviously all hate each other in this yeah. band. They never, I don't think they ever really properly had their Glastonbury moment as, as headliners. Yeah. And it's not too late. Yeah, oh, that's that, that could spur the fires a little bit more. I've got a little funny story about the B and Out tour because when they were touring in Sheffield and they were playing B and Out in Sheffield Arena, um, I was skin, uh, so I offered to work for the Sheffield Arena in the hot dog stalls type thing inside the arena just to get into the arena so I can do what I do, what I do, fuck off as quick as possible and go and watch the band. And I got in and I managed to watch Noel doing a sound check, just him playing the guitar while I was sat in the arena until I got like told to crack on and do some work so it, that, that the being out or that that got kind of got a lot of stick that album um but f- for me the be it i like beer now what's your thoughts on that do you know as a fan all, all the criticism was bollocks it's a great <laughs> album. It, it was but, but i was there yeah. i was on the flipping ground i yeah. was one of the kids caught up in the main it was great. still a great album i love it yeah i mean i think it needs a remix but yeah. the songs are great the performances are great i mean morris was just coked off his tits, wasn't yeah. he? I mean, the the problem with it was it had happened at the point of we culturally we'd kind of gone past Oasis oversaturation because at that point yeah. they had got so big that they eclipsed the movement and Britpop just meant Oasis. Yeah. So they got they kind of got too big almost for the nation that we were just overloaded with Oasis, um, mm. and so people started to kind of get sick of it and turn on it culturally. But if you look at you I, when you listen to definitely maybe. Morning Glory and Be Here Now. They're a trilogy. They sit together yeah. and they work. I mean, mm. Be Here Now, I think, was a fantastic album. And the, I would love for Ignition and Big Brother and all them lot to put together a proper Be Here Now tour, mm. um, like Blu-ray and documentary, because that was the height. That was the biggest thing Oasis ever did. You know what they had? the um, I think it was called Bear. The um the the black lad in the top hat who would come out when he was there um he was like the magician at the beginning and he'd open the door and let him out he, he's gone missing apparently no one <laughs> okay. knows where he is wow. loads of people want to interview him and he's yeah. he's just off the grid apparently but um yeah um so all that stuff on the be here now tour that was the absolute apex of all the oasis madness getting thrown off flights and banned from airways in yeah. uh, in Australia after Liam threatens to stab the pilot and you know <laughs> it's so great rock and roll legend mythology stuff and they've got all the material people like me are just sort of fishing around for scraps that have made it onto youtube they've got everything i'd love to see more be here now stuff personally yeah so how how do you like source all your original material for your for your videos and stuff like that that must be a nightmare well the truth is i don't have any original material um that what i do is i read widely make yeah. a lot of notes and I yeah. connect the dots. Mm, okay. um, so everything I use is already out there in, in some yeah. random hidden away old article in a Q magazine or mm. in some little corner of a forgotten uh, book. 
You know, yeah. I've got lots of over there is my over there is my bookshelf where you can, it's just loads of Oasis books and Stone Roses, Zeppelin, all over there. Yeah. I just research a lot. And once you kind of know what you're looking for, you can then put it into YouTube and find a clip of it usually that someone's uploaded, particularly with Oasis. Oasis fans are very, very, very dedicated yeah. about um, documenting everything. So you can find out so much stuff. When I, when I did my video on Oasis versus In Excess at the Brits, there was like almost nothing on In Excess. I watched that this morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. There was almost nothing on In Excess. Almost yeah. nothing. And then and they they were huge, mm. absolutely huge. But there's something there's something fanatical I think about Oasis fans that you just document everything because you know you're living history. Yeah. So so you built up this channel on YouTube, James, uh, a successful one. You know you've caught a, you you found a wave of this algorithm that goes on. Well, what more do you know about this? fucking algorithm thing that people talk about <laughs> <laughs> well uh, i mean i know it's just limited really what i know really is you've got it you can't leave too long between uploads so if you're going away at christmas and stuff you need some stuff prepared that you can schedule to go live yeah. i also know that <clears throat> summer christmas are the worst times the best time is now you know middle of normal mm. term time really um it always gives you feedback it's it's um the way I what I what I noticed was yeah. when I started off, I would post new videos every uh, every week minimum. Mm. Uh, I think I started off every two weeks minimum actually, and I would notice every now and again one of them for no clear reason would just kind of go. There'd be like nineteen views, a hundred views, mm. twenty views. Then one of them would go a thousand views, and then drop off again. I go, what the fuck was that? Mm. And then it would happen again a few months later. I think after I've been doing this for about like a year that started happening. Then I got one that went 3000 views. I was like, what's going on? And it was, I think what it was, was the algorithm recognized that I was consistently uploading. I was a human being, not a bot. I wasn't posting spam porn or a clickbait that leads to something fake. Oh, okay. I was engaging with my, with my audience. If people commented, I commented back yeah. um, <clears throat> and plenty of likes, which meant it would promote my videos a tiny bit and just test the waters. And when I had that video that went absolutely bonkers and got half a million hits, I think that was at the two-year point of having just consistently uploaded, uploaded, uploaded weekly or two-weekly initially at the beginning, um, proving that I was doing stuff people liked, mm. engaging with people, no clickbait, and no porn, <laughs> basically. When it hit that point, the I think the reason that got massive, loads of the comments that I got were the algorithm sent me here great video, you know, and basically it just took that one random video around the two year point of me doing that and just promoted the crap out of it for no clear reason that I could see. I mean, it could have been a video on, you know, I don't know, juggling bananas and that could have ended up being the specialism of my channel. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's because I got so many Oasis fans from that. It was just very, I guess, not good luck, but cool. I guess that it was a band that I love so much and I'm so passionate about that ended up being the focus because that was the video YouTube gave a massive boost to. It's fascinating how a machine can have, can make decisions for you in it. You know, it, 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 it feels like it, it's, it's, it's conscious. Well, not consciously because it's a machine, but it's, it's giving you the opportunity every now and again through little spikes because it's seeing a pattern in your content that you're bringing out. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not much alternative though, because I think, I mean, it's got stu something stupid now, like, there are, I think, is it 500,000 hours of new YouTube footage are uploaded a day or yeah. something like that? So no one can watch that. Yeah. I mean, you, you need to employ, you know, some just insane amount of people <laughs> to 
a completely unfeasible amount of people yeah. to, to check that stuff through. Mm. So it has to be done that way. It's just got so massive, you know. Well, it's, uh, have you checked out chat GPT yet? Sorry, mate, you broke up there. Oh, sorry. Have you, have you checked out chat GPT yet? Don't know what that is. It's the new AI thing that people are using at the minute. So it's it, so instead of being having like a Google search, it's a website that you log into, and it's it's AI. It's the first like thing of AI that's entered the world that people are that people are talking about online at the minute. And it's and there's a big thing in the in the magazine industry and music uh, industry around um, potentially these AI machines can write content about music and that kind of stuff where obviously the magazines are pushing away from that they don't want to be part of that because it's not credible for a machine to write your stuff when we need humans to have real tell real stories um i've been i've been having a play with it and one thing i found fascinating is it, it gives you in where where you'd search for something on google I don't know, search for help me with my SEO on my website or something, or help me understand analytics on YouTube better. Mm-hmm. It'll, it, instead of just sending to you loads of websites that want paying for their service to tell you that information, it'll tell you that information. Um, and it, and it, and it's quite, it, it's really clean. There's no adverts and that kind of stuff. And it, and you can, and you can chat back to it about stuff. So how do you feel? Where, where do you see us moving forward in regards to technology and engaging with people uh, moving forward with YouTube and beyond? <laughs> I th- I, I, honestly, I think AI is going to be exactly the same as what e-readers and, and digital yeah. music um, yeah. have become. They're an option, but they're not really what people like. Um, so like people, Kindle and e-readers and that, no one likes them quite as much now. They've had a big spike in popularity when they were fashionable, yeah. but no one really likes them now because they just want a real book. Human beings are analog. We are. We, we, we're always going to go, ooh, exciting fad, and then go back. I mean, the surgeon vinyl, do you know what I mean? I've got a record player right there, and I, I do, for re- reasons I can't fully define, I far prefer listening to an album on vinyl. Yeah. It's illogical almost, but it's because it's analog, it's real world, than I do listening to it on Spotify. And then <clears throat> books, I prefer having a physical book. Um, I prefer having the Blu-ray of a movie. Mm. I don't I don't prefer streaming, I prefer having the Blu-ray, owning it. And um, look at Meta. Is that look at, look, I, I were going to bring Meta up, you know, the goggles and stuff. I, I just can't see that. Look at, yeah, look at look at how Meta just utterly flopped when they tried to predict the future. Everyone's going to go virtual. <laughs> Fuck off. No, they're not. I... <laughs> want to get up in the morning, cook my breakfast, go for a walk in the forest out there, come back, play my real guitar. Um, if I have to work at a screen for a bit, fair play. But I live in the analog world. I'm not interested in all that digital shit. I think it's wank. I think um, <laughs> I do. It's fucking bullshit. No, I like that. It's bullshit. It's not going to, it's like, do you remember when they brought out 3D TVs for like the 900th time and everyone just went, fuck I, off. I had one and I watched football on it and it were all right, but then just not bothered. Can't be bothered. I mean, the, if they can make improvements to the analog world, everyone will go, hey, and that'll stick. Yeah. Everyone trying to say, you know, come into the future, <laughs> AI, virtual. Most the, human <laughs> beings aren't evolved for that. It goes against something in us. And like, <clears throat> I don't, I never watch 3D films ever. I don't like them. I don't watch them at the cinema. Yeah. I don't want to read eBooks. I don't really want to listen to streaming music, although I'm kind of forced because some of it's only there. I want an analog life with analog shit and AI can fuck off. Have you ever been to pictures when they they have like it's almost as in you're in a right crap ride where they move you about and spray water on you and shit? No, <laughs> People really. have raved about so. that to me, and I've never. I've, I, there's no way I'm doing that shit. 
it just, it just seems like bollocks. Now, the real world's out there. Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> yeah. um, like, I like going to the pub with friends and going to quiz nights and playing cards and going out for a meal. I don't want to sit looking at a screen. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm all. <clears throat> I, I think there's a move now, especially amongst adults 30 and up, away from that stuff. I think there's a move to say, sod this. I mean, there's some hipster knobheads in London who are getting milk delivered by a milkman again because they want, they want to go back to yeah. an analog real world life and not everything being digital. I wouldn't have an Alexa in my house for all the money in the world. You know, none of that stuff. I'm just, I'm, you don't need it. It's just silly daft accoutrements. I'm in the real world. No, I, I, I like that. But playing devil's advocate a little bit, is that because we're a little bit older? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> maybe but i mean i suppose it goes yeah i mean we let's do a video in five years time and find out what happens yeah well honestly right with with ai i think it will do some good stuff but it'll be like behind the scenes i think it'll be like getting ai on your voice predicting so you you pick up your phone talk it turns in the text and gets it right that's great um one area i would love to see ai improved is um i'm I'm going off into the woods here but stem splitting so Mm. Between you and me, I'm, I'm not going to go into too much details because this is a big reveal for my channel, but um, I've been digging into some old, um, really kind of rough, shitty old Oasis demos from way back in the day that were recorded badly on cassette. Mm. And I'm using all my production arsenal to get into them, dissect the stems and mm. remix them so people can hear what they sounded like live mm. properly. And the only way the stem splitting um, technology is going to improve is with AI. Um, stuff like using AI in medicine, fair play. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't write in magazine articles. I'd, I mean, if they ever get to the point where AI can write articles in in, in a way that is as good as the human touch, then they've just made a metal human. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we, we majority cover local Manchester bands and uh, bands that are just starting off on the career and supporting grassroots stuff. So no AI is going to know about what I know about the grassroots music industry. I know that for a fact. So bollocks to and so <laughs> it's not going to happen, mate. It's not. If, okay, if, okay. if Buzz, you know, they said Buzzfeed, didn't they? Said Buzzfeed. They reckon that everything's going to be written by AI. Who reads Buzzfeed? I don't read Buzzfeed. No, no. it's I just. Like, that, I, I bet Vice try it. <laughs> it's just. I mean, that that's basically because what what they would be doing yeah. is sourcing the news from human reporters yeah. and just consolidating it into little articles that they then use for clickbait and load with ads. Mm. That's all it'll be. <laughs> so just uh, appreciate your time james uh we really do what what kind of projects have you got coming up that you can tell us about at the minute obviously you're gonna have loads that you can't but is there any uh previews or any tidbits you can share with us for stuff that's coming up on your channel soon well um oh, what can i tell you um well we're planning a big trip down to mono valley which oh right okay um, go, we've got to try as a group of 24 of us hopefully all going to go down there fill the place out and film a music video when we're down there we're I love doing... Oasis video that don't, uh, don't, don't Behind the Truth is it? Don't Believe the Truth oh that's the album name isn't it? That's the album yeah uh, what was the black video that came out DVD that came out with it I was actually in it I, I was watching Oasis in Vegas and I'm in the crowd on in, in that video oh uh, Lord Don't Slow Me Down that's it yeah me, yeah memory failed me again and me and my mate were actually in Vegas watching Oasis and we, it, it, the show has him you can see the back of my head in that video oh nice <laughs> well, this, this music video will be my one for one up for my album that's hopefully coming out this year ah, at some point nice, so right. we'll be going down to Mono Valley I've already been there and done an Oasis feature on that place for from the first attempt at definitely maybe is that the one on a boat? Are you going in on it? Do you go into it on a boat? No, that's sawmills and sawmills. Ah. Um, 
it's being sold right now. Wow. I rang them actually. I rang them and said, look, can, can we come down? But it's being sold. Um, I would love to go down there, but it's flipping Cornwall. So yeah. that's what nine out nine, 10 hours drive from where I live. Right. Something like that. Cause the, you can't, it's not like you can go like the crow flies. You've got all yeah. these tiny little windy roads. We're quite lucky up here because we're 10 minutes from the A1. Mm. So for the, for the A1M. So used to, you know, big roads, really yeah. good infrastructure. You get down there and it's like, you know, it's like driving in backwards kind of Texas, yeah. just, <laughs> potholes and locals staring out with a pitchfork you know I, I i was when when i watched that documentary uh manny from the stone roses were getting interviewed and uh he was he always just yeah skulking around in mono valley i can just remember him talking about <laughs> that, that's what that's where the, my memory of mono valley comes from is the uh, <laughs> fucking uh manny talking about the the, the oasis last one down there yeah. uh, what else have you got mate <laughs> so we've got the mono valley trip that's yeah. just in planning right now we've got um i've got this big this big video that's coming out, I really hope tonight. I'm going to finish my interview with you, have some food, and then try and finish it, yeah. which is uh, 10 times um, Oasis insulted or threatened their audiences. Nice. Um, so that's that's that should be really good. It's really funny. Um, How did you get it down to 10? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? A lot of the time, it's just the audience insulting them. Right. And and they just kind of take it on the chin. they Because they got that reputation of being bad lads, yeah. a load of lads would show up and try and goad them into doing something. But, you know... Um, they were actually quite so when you look at it they're surprisingly restrained uh, we've got that the one thing i have got on the go um is again i can't name names yeah, sure. but some completely never before heard oasis stuff that um an unnamed person may be sending to me to fully mix and produce and get mastered just for free release for the fans um, some, so there is some stuff. Uh, yeah, so James, really appreciate you. As I've mentioned a couple of times in this video, really appreciate what you're doing. It's given me another uh, lens into the world of what happened in Oasis as a fan all my life. I'm very much appreciate and enjoy your content, mate. Uh, is, there, is there a message you like to leave the... Uh, the fans of your channel or from the people that might be introduce you to the first for the for the first time today is there a message like you'd like to leave to them um yeah fuck off <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> thanks no uh keep commenting keep watching yeah. let me know in the comments of my channel what you want because i do read them yeah. i get a lot now so i can't reply to most of them yeah but you know let me know what you want more of and i'll try and do it Wow, there we go. What an interesting guy. Self-made YouTuber out there making a career out of making an income and a, and a life for himself in the entertainment industry on YouTube. It's fascinating. I'd love to be able to do that. Give up work and just do stuff that you enjoy. It would be amazing, that, wouldn't it? One day, eh? But yeah, legitimate. thanks for joining us today for another week of entertainment with a podcast. Uh, if you'd like to know more about James and his YouTube channel, within the description of this podcast, you will find links to his work. Just check out some videos. Why not? Subscribe to his channel. Uh, loads of interesting stuff coming up. It's not just Oasis as well, you know, loads of bands and stuff. Love it. Yeah, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can support our podcast as well. Our unsponsored podcast that doesn't make a penny. Uh, but you can support us by subscribing, telling your friends. It's all free. Three ways to, to do it. Leave us a review as well. That'd be nice. Five star, of course. Um, yeah, on uh, Spotify, you can click a little star. 
on Apple, you can do a five-star review. Just leave a review, takes two minutes. Amazon, you can do it all on there. Wherever you're listening, guys, we really appreciate it. Click on the buttons, it'd be great. Uh, the video versions of our podcast is uh, is within the uh, link as well. So you can, you know, subscribe to our YouTube channel, maybe. Maybe we might be able to um, make a living from YouTube one day. I don't know. Not ruling out that. Yeah, so it's been, I've had a bit of, do you know, do you know that cold thing? <coughs> Can't shake a cough. So if I sound a bit croaky today, I do apologise. But we're going to be back next Monday, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a band on his hand next week. Amazing band. Proper eight interesting guys. So hang around. We'll see you next week, of course. Hope you have a great week. Earn a few quid. Get out some live music. Let us know what gigs you've been to. Share the love out there on the socials. And thank you for your time, guys. I'm going to stop babbling on. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been Carl Maloney, that guy from RGM. Thanks for joining us for another week of this podcast. And I will see you next week. Toodle-oo. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support and we'll see you next week.